Okay, so when I look at um, just my life as a whole, there's really two common denominators that dictate the direction of my life, that dictate how, honestly, how my life is really going, how I'm operating. And, and the two things that really dictate uh, where I'm at in my journey of life are, one, for me, is my relationship with God. So, so that's a common denominator. If, if I am struggling it, it mentally, um, you know, if, if, if I'm struggling with anger, if I'm struggling with, with things that were a part of my life way back when, if I start to have those thoughts, it's 100% of the time it comes back to um, where I'm at in my relationship with God. So that's one. Uh, the other one is who I surround myself with. Okay, so, so the two common denominators for me is my relationship with God and then who I surround myself with. Now, um, I have less of a choice in certain areas of who I surround myself with because I'm married and I have three kids. They're just a part of the package now. But um, at your age right now, you kind of get to pick and choose who is going to be around you. Now, I know maybe some of you, you're like, no, I didn't pick that roommate, or I didn't pick the person that's living over there, but I'm stuck with them. Um, I was just talking to somebody, and they were telling me that. But I think when, when we talk about who we choose to be around, I want you to understand what I'm really focused on is the people that you're choosing to give influence into your life. Okay, Th those friends, right? The friends that you listen to, the friends that you go to, uh, the friends that, that you text or call when life uh, throws you off, when something happens, whether it's great or whether it's something that, um, that's awful. And so we, we look at these, um, these influences in our life, and, and I would say this, uh, for most of you, is going to define and dictate uh, the course of your actions. It just will. Uh, who you surround yourself with is who you start to think like. Um, what is normal to them starts to become normal to you. And, um, and it's, 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 it's crazy how we start to change into uh, that. My best friend, who I've talked about before, in fact, in the dating talk I did, um, I, I believe I talked about how at one point, uh, he's such a good friend of mine that he blocked the door and was ready to fight me if I went back to this girl. And because he's my best friend and he would not let me make decisions that, that, were, that were a contradiction to where he knew I was supposed to be in life. And, and I was having a conversation because um, we've been best friends literally since my junior year of college to right now. And that's why also this topic's important is because the friends right now in my life still that are my best friends, they're from college. Um, I have friends now that I've met since then, but those critical friends in my life, um, I met them in college. So this is important, but, but anyway, I'm on the phone with my buddy, and as we're having this conversation, and like I said, he knows me extremely well. He knows how I'm doing even when we haven't talked. Uh, like, do you have a friend that like literally, even if you haven't talked, they can like sense there's something wrong? They can just sense that you're not okay? And sometimes it's actually annoying. You're like, listen, get away from me. Yeah, you called it, okay? But he knew something was off. 
um, because he just knows that with me. Like he knows, he can tell by the tone. Uh, he can tell, uh, he knows that, he knows when I'm feeling tempted. He knows um, the warning signs of when I'm not doing well. And so we're in the middle of this conversation and um, all of a sudden in the middle of this conversation, he, he stops and he just says, there you are. And I was like, what do you mean there I am? And he goes, Man, you're finally back. I was starting to get worried about you. And, and, and what he started to share with me was, was different indicators that he was noticing in me that, that he's learned over the years of our friendship uh, that, that he was seeing in me and he knew something was off. And through our conversation, him being the great friend that he is, he was able to draw that out of me. So he drew that out of me, and then he was able to call it. And, and I remember that um, after I hung up the phone, I thought, and I, was kinda, and I was really just thinking about the power of friendship, the power of these relationships. And, you know, I, and, and I think about where I was at, because I was in an unhealthy place, uh, just, just mentally, emotionally, my thoughts and, and things just were not aligning with, with who I know I'm called to be. And, after, and, and, and I, I've, I found myself in that space needing to connect with somebody who knew me well. Not just somebody who knew my name, knew about me, but I needed to have a conversation and a connection with somebody that, that knew the ins and the outs of who I actually am, the core of who I am. And, and, and so, like, a little bit about me. When I am struggling, um, what I tend to do is I pull back from everybody. How many of you is that? No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to... <laughs> But that's probably some of you in this room. Like when you're struggling, uh, whether it's mo uh, mentally or just physically or just, just walking through some stuff that is really frustrating, um, you probably pull back a little bit. And for me, or, or you just like unleash on everybody. For me, I pull back. Even from my wife, I have to work on not pulling back because I'm an introvert and, and, and when, when things just aren't working out, I just pull back and go into my own safe, comfortable space uh, where it's just me. And, and that's not a good thing. That's not a God thing. That's a Steve thing. It's a problem, actually. And I was guilty of doing that and I needed help to get out of that space. And my friend was able to see that. He exposed it and then he helped draw me out of that. And, you know, as, as, as I think about him walking with me through that and, and drawing out these issues in me that were uh, affecting me, um, you know, and being just thankful for that relationship, I was reminded of this verse in Proverbs 27, 6. Proverbs 20, and Proverbs is the book of wisdom. And, and it says this in Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Now, whenever I read that, that passage, uh, immediately with the imagery, I think of um, if you at all understand or, or know how Jesus was put on the cross, he was betrayed with a kiss, okay? With a kiss, um, which was a, a, a sign of affection, um, it, it, and, and one of his 
closest followers, one of his friends, we would say, uh, came up and betrayed him and marked him to the authorities with a kiss, a welcome kiss. And so we think of like what this is talking about. We think of the imagery here and it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. In other words, um, it is better to have a friend tell me something that's difficult, that's hard, that I don't want to hear, that I don't even want to really listen to, that's wrong with me. Um, but that is better than the deceitful kisses of an enemy. In other words, the empty flattery, the emptiness of, of like those people in your life. Now, I don't even call them friends. They're more acquaintances, but those are the people that are always gonna tell you what you want to hear. They're always gonna agree with you. If you say, well, I have a problem with so-and-so, oh yeah, you totally should have a problem with so-and-so. You know, if you're doing something wrong, they're the ones that don't really care. In fact, they enable you to, to self-destruct even more, okay? And the, the, those are empty words that they say to you. That's an empty relationship, right? Because no true relationship uh, with somebody else, if they see them in a self-destructive state, if they see them throwing their life away, who in the world, if they care about that person, goes, hey, keep going, that's great. You're so close to the edge. Here. Like, and, and that's honestly what it's like. But I remember thinking, man, I didn't like what he said to me, but it's exactly what I needed to hear. And, and most friends, you guys, most friends don't do this. Most of the friends that you have in your life, they won't do this. They'll tell you what you want to hear. Or, or, or they will either tell you um, what you what they want you to do or their opinion and what they think you should do. So they're either going to say uh, something that they think will agree with what you want them to say or they'll have their own opinion for where you're supposed to be in life or what you're supposed to do and they'll say that. Okay, now that's dangerous. You're literally giving the keys to the car, the keys to your life, to somebody who doesn't even have your best interests in mind. That's a dangerous thing. And guys, we talk about this every week. You're at the big decisions point in your life. You just are. If you're here tonight, um, you are in that space. You're at that time when you're making life-changing decisions. And um, as, as we look at, at each step, when you just go back to creation, at each step when God created the world, he pronounced after each step that what? Everything he said was good. He said everything was good. But then there's something really interesting. After he created Adam, we see this, this alarming statement that he makes. And, and, and he says this um, in Genesis 2.18. He's going to say something isn't good. Okay, so now, now this is important because, you know, the serpent and all that hasn't entered the world yet, but he says something isn't good. And in Genesis 2, 18, it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, What's interesting about this is everything he has made is good up to that point. But then he sees Adam and he goes, man, it's not good that he should be alone. See, Adam was not yet complete. Added Adam needed community. He needed community. Now, um, what does that teach us? What does that show us? Well, I think the, the, the answer that I get most of the time when I talk about this verse is, well, I need a woman or I need a guy. That's what it's talking about, is I need to get married. 
And we use that verse uh, as ammunition for God to supply us with a husband or wife. Um, But what we actually see is it shows our very first problem, which was social isolation. And it's something that we're fighting, and many of us are fighting it, and we don't even know we're fighting it. In fact, we're still learning as to how it affects us, even right now. Uh, it seems like every month they're learning more about the dangers of this social isolation. And, and, and here's what's really dangerous um, about this social um, isolation, because it's really dangerous for those of us who are very independent. Because we're okay being isolated. Or for those of us that are introverted, because we're okay being in that space. But the Bible warns us about isolation uh, from our our relationships, from our friends. In Proverbs 18.1, back in Proverbs, it says this. Whoever isolates himself or herself seeks his or her own desire. He or she breaks out against all sound judgment. Okay, so once again, whoever isolates themselves seeks their own desires. They break out against all sound judgment. Okay, now what is so huge about this verse? It's this. The more isolated I am from those important people in my life, from those relationships, from like for me, my my friend, from my wife, uh, my mentors, the more disconnected I am from them, the more decisions I make that are all me making the decisions and the more isolated I am from those people who care about me, who love me, who want to see me succeed, who want to see God's best for me in my life, who love me, who want to tell me the, the truth. Guys, when you are isolated from those relationships, you start to justify things you wouldn't justify if they were in your life. You start to have some warped ideas because it's you leading you. And guess what? At the core of me is a lot of messiness, um, is a lot of baggage, and those things continue to resurface manifest themselves. And I find that I am a danger to myself when I am separated and isolated from those relationships. And it's almost scary sometimes the thoughts that I will have in that space or the things I will start to justify. And and I think this connects uh, with a lot of us Because um, this was, you know, when I think about just where I was at when I was having that phone conversation with my buddy is I was on the wrong road headed in the wrong direction. And it was because I had isolated myself from him and from uh, my closest friends. And you guys, that's some of you right now. That's some of you. And, And here's what's also dangerous about this. Sometimes physically you haven't distanced yourself, but mentally, emotionally, relationally you have. Because another dangerous thing we do is when we know we're operating in a space that's not good for us is we will start to create these walls that we will no longer let those friends that once had access, we stop eliminating that access, but we give them just enough so they think that they're getting the truth. And and guys, maybe, maybe you've made some poor choices or decisions lately. Maybe you've said some things that you wouldn't say, uh, characterize who you are or even who you want to be. Maybe you've been in situations with people who you've got no business being around and you even maybe in some of those moments started asking yourself, man, what am I really doing here? What, what, this isn't me. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it was because of COVID. 
right? I think the natural like, like thought when I said the social distancing is like, oh, it's COVID, like, and, and, and that's my problem. But, but here's the reality, guys. Maybe it's not COVID. Now, that's not, hey, COVID's not real, guys. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, at some point, you've got to understand and realize that you can't keep going back to that and saying, oh, that's why, that's why, that's why. I had a conversation with someone the other day, and um, I was talking about, you know, physically for myself, this is the least fit I've been in, in probably years, and, and I was like, well, COVID. And he looked at me and like, Steve, that was, that was seven months ago, dude. And I'm like, yeah, well, COVID. It's still like, you know, keeping me in bed, not letting me get up and go to the gym, right? And they're just like, no. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta fix it, dude. <laughs> you gotta get yourself where you were at. And my wife, she's been much more gracious, which is awesome. But I want you to understand that there are certain things that we continue to use as an excuse that at some point in time, you gotta stop saying that's why. And yeah, that's a very real thing that creates space between some of us and our family and some of our friends and, and those things. It does, it does, it has physically created distance in every way, right? But maybe that, maybe this was a problem before COVID. If you really look at it, because one of the things that I've seen as a pastor with COVID is COVID has actually revealed a lot of who people actually are. It's, it's brought a lot of things to the surface, whether it's insecurities, whether it's identity issues, whether it's actual things that are in opposition to God's will that we've been maybe secretly doing or, or this or that that we've been able to get away with. What I've seen with COVID is it's actually brought out a lot of who people really are. And so um, a lot of things I'm seeing that I'm walking with people through, it's not like, oh, this just happened with COVID. It's no, it was happening before, but now it's like evident. You can't hide it anymore. And, and, and so when you think about like isolation from my true friends, guys, a lot of you, if you're in this unhealthy place right now, I would venture to say it probably even started to reveal itself before COVID. COVID has just become the crutch. And so there's, there's, there's literally, because when you think about isolating yourself uh, from, your true, from your true friends, like, like COVID is not stopping you from doing that. It's not. Um, and, 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 and here's the reality. Maybe even in your life, maybe you've replaced these true friends with people who don't care about God's best for you. See, it's easy. One of the things that's, that's, that's hard is it's really easy to make acquaintances, but it takes work to build true friendships. Like, like it's really easy to, to look a certain way, to walk into a room, and you can literally scan a room. In fact, when you walk in here, you probably, I'm, you know, I'm just guessing, but you probably look around. And you go, eh, eh, eh. And you find people that you think you will get along with, you have the same taste, preferences, and that. And that's typically what happens when people walk into a, a big room with people, is they look and they try and identify those people that are like them. Guys, that doesn't mean you're friends. That means you have uh, common interests. You like some of the same things. And I think the danger that we find ourselves in is we give some of those relationships, which are actually just acquaintances, uh, actually just people that we have some of the same tastes in life, we give them authority over our lives that they have no business having. 
They have no business telling you, oh, this is what you should do with your life. No business saying, oh, this is the right decision. No, like they, they don't have any right to do that. The only right they have is the right you give them. And so we have to, to think about that and, and know and understand that, that it takes work to develop relationships that, that, are, that are truth-centered, that, that are authentic, that are transparent, um, that, that have the ability to engage and walk through difficult things to where someone will actually tell you something you don't want to hear, but they're saying it to you because they love you. And they're able to deliver that in love, and so you receive it. You guys, those are the most valuable friendships on the planet but they take a lot of work. When, um, when I lived in San Diego, there would be coastal fog. And the 5 Freeway, which is kind of cool, the 5 Freeway goes here, and it goes all the way down to Mexico. And the, the 5 Freeway kind of runs along the coast, just north of San Diego, where I lived. And um, I, I remember a lot of times that fog off the ocean would roll in, and it would roll in so thick I remember driving and I would have to find the white line and I would just try and glue my car to the white line as I'm driving because I couldn't see anything. And I remember there were multiple times as I'm just hugging that white line that I would accidentally take the wrong exit. And I'll get off and I'd be like, why is there a light? This is the freeway. But it was so foggy from that ocean um, that, and it was rolling in, like it would literally cause me to get caught up in this fog to where I'm taking turns and exits that I wouldn't normally take. And I think for us, you guys, we tend to find ourselves in this relational fog because it comes into our lives, it just creeps in. All of a sudden, there's a few friends that, or, or acquaintances that weren't there before. There's a few people you start to call that you never really cared about their opinion before, or you knew that you couldn't really trust it. But all of a sudden, just life and, and busyness and craziness, and my true friends are too busy for me. My true friends aren't there. Uh, that was easy. Now it's not easy. Um, I don't really want to hear what they're going to have to say, but this person tells me what I want to hear, and all of a sudden you're caught up in this fog and you're just starting to take these exits that you have no business taking, that are taking your mind, your heart, your actions to places you don't want to be. And so, and so you've got to be aware of that and you've got to make some decisions, not only for yourself, but even some of you, you're seeing some of your friends go down this road. Are you going to be a true friend? Because I think this is a double-edged sword. For some of us, it's understanding that I need to have some of these true friends. And if I don't have them, man, I need to cultivate that, build that, and, and bring that into my life. Or I have a friend, and I need to start being that friend. And that's important. Um, because you, we all need help getting back on the right road. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, uh, it says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Guys, man, it's tough when you fall and you're isolated. It's tough when you fall and you don't feel like you have anybody to go to. But it is so powerful when you fall and somebody meets you in that place and helps you out. Those are the most powerful friends. In fact, that's what led me to a relationship with Jesus because he met me in that place. And when you think about the, the relationships, the friendships that you want to cultivate, you do not want friends that reinforce life being good when life's good. You want the friends that help pick you up when you fall down because you're going to fall down. You're going to fall down. Guys, you're going to make some wrong decisions. 
You just will. You're going to do some things that you're going to regret. You're going to say some things that, that you wish you didn't say. And, and you're going to need those friends. And you're going to need to be a friend to somebody. And what determines and defines whether it's a true friendship, according to the Bible, is not when everything's going well. It's when they fall. Are you the one that's picking them up? Or are you the one saying, well, I told you so. Eh, we're done. And, and that's, that's really important. We, we all need to be that friend. We need deep, authentic, truthful, spiritual friendships. In Proverbs 29, uh, or 27, 9 and 10, it talks about, it says, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. The sweetness of a friend comes with that honest, authentic, and truthful counsel that they bring into your life, that they give you. And you guys, that's what I was receiving from my friend. And it picked me back up. He called me out where I was at and it helped realign me to the life that I knew I was called to be on and the track and the, and, and, and the road that I was supposed to be on. Guys, when, when you look at just the Bible, the Bible as a whole uh, shows us the power of deep connections and friendships. Whether it's uh, mentor relationships, when you think of just Jesus and him having these 12 disciples and the other people that would follow him and, and, and the other people throughout the Bible, you see their friendships, their, their, you know, whether it was someone they were married to, whether it was just somebody that was also working alongside them. Um, you think of uh, in, the, in the, the moments where, where these individuals went through just difficult hardships that we can't even imagine. Before Jesus went to the cross, he invited his closest friends to go with him to this garden and pray uh, together for what he was about to go through. When you read in the New Testament and you see a lot of the letters that Paul wrote to these churches, he talks about specific names. At the end of these letters, he talks about these people that were with him, whether it was in prison, uh, whether it's just people that encouraged him, that helped to keep him going. Um, you see that throughout. They're not the verses we tend to highlight, but they're there. And, and it's so important because all throughout the Bible, you see the importance and the value of deep connections and friendships. You just do. You cannot uh, fulfill this difficult life, uh, this, this mission, this opportunity that you have to maximize this time on earth. You can't do it alone. You just can't. And, and one of the, the literally the poster um, relationships for friendships in the Bible that you see is, is a guy named David and Jonathan. And in 1 Samuel 18, 1, it describes their friendship. Okay, now David's the guy that killed Goliath, right? And, and he's the one anointed to be king, but there's a current king named Saul. Saul has a son named Jonathan. Jonathan is the rightful heir to the throne. David's this yahoo from somewhere else, but he killed Goliath and, and he's been anointed and he's been declared uh, by a prophet that you're gonna be the next king. But here's Jonathan and my dad's the king. And so that's mine that's gonna be handed down to me. You think about a friendship that should not happen, that would not happen, it's them. And yet we see, in 1 Samuel 18.1, says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And this is really, when you think about the essence of a true friendship, that's what it is. It's to love someone else as you love yourself. It talks about in verse four how Jonathan actually stripped himself of the robe that was on him. He didn't get naked and, and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt, it says in verse four. And what he's doing here is, is, is Jonathan sacrificed 
for David. He's demonstrating this by stripping himself of the items which represented his power and his position. He handed them over to David. And, and, and this is the guy who's the legitimate successor to his father's throne, but he's giving his robe to David and he's indicating that he's gonna forego his right so, so that David can be crowned the king instead of him. And we see that this relationship, this friendship, he gives David uh, precedence uh, over his personal advancement. He protected David at his own uh, expense. Um, he empowers David to become all that God had called David to be, knowing that for that to happen meant for him, it was less than what everyone would have said he deserved. Guys, that's a crazy, powerful friendship to where you have a friend that's gonna sacrifice what they really want, what they hope to have, because they love you so much and they care about you and they see that, that God's hands on you and he wants you here and they sacrifice to help you get there. Man, that's a true friend. And, and we see this modeled. Guys, there's times that God's gonna use you to help bring change in a friend's life. And sometimes it's, it's helping to protect them from themselves. Sometimes you're going to have to intervene. You're going to see someone on a self-destructive path. I've had a lot of conversations with, and even some of you in this room, um, you know, and college students in the past with what do I do? I love this person. They're my roommate. They're my friend. I care about them. And I see them doing this. I think they're doing this. I think they're going down this road. What do I do? How do I love them? How do I, how do I approach them? Call them out on this when it's so hard and I don't want to come across as, oh, I'm holier than you. I'm more righteous. I'm a better person. That's tough. If you don't think that's tough, you're not a good friend. That's a tough thing to do. But the, but the fact that you even are asking that question is good. That means you care about them. And, and, and so, like, like, you guys, sometimes it's going to be that friend that helps protect someone from themselves. Sometimes it's going to be defending a friend. When, when other people are saying this about them, um, and it's easy sometimes to just go along with that, sometimes it's going to be standing up for that friend. Um, sometimes um, it's going to uh, be just this timely wisdom where all of a sudden it's very clear, man, I need to share this with them. Like I see them in this, man, I just need to, I need to share it. Like, like I really think I, I see this in them. And, and, and a lot of times it's going to come through encouragement. Guys, man, it's tough to find things that encourage you right now. And I think a true friend right now, man, more valuable than ever to be that source of encouragement when you're needing it. It's helping them back up a lot of times. And so that's what we're called to do. See, Jesus, he befriends every person that chooses to follow him. He literally came to befriend us. He came and he laid his life down for his friends. In John 15, 13, greater love, and this is Jesus talking, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He's the ultimate friend. He chose to be your friend, to respond when you needed him most. Um, the question is, will I be that for somebody else or will I let someone else into that space as well? And so the question is, who is God placing on your heart right now to reach out to, to maybe be that friend too? And here's one of the things I want to challenge some of you with, okay? This is kind of the talk that I guess maybe you've never heard. But I want to challenge you with this. I think it's really important because I, I just feel like there's a lot of people faking it right now. If you're pretending to be this for someone else, here's what I want to challenge you with. Apologize to them and own it. If you are pretending 
to be this to somebody else. You are the deceitful kisses of the enemy. Like, and you're like, oh no, I'm just trying to like keep, the, like, no, no, no. If, you're, if they're going to you with the most important decisions in their life and you're pretending to care, I want you to just think about that for a second. The magnitude of the position that they're giving you and yet you don't really care. I want to encourage you, if that's you and you're in a relationship like that, I want you to be honest and just come clean and help them move forward. But be real with them. Stop pretending. And if you're, and, and let, if you're with someone, and, and this is where it's going to get a little awkward. If you're with someone and you're only their friend so that you can date them, stop. I can't see you guys because of the glass, but if that is you, stop. Stop. That's not truthful, is it? Oh, I'm just, I'm just pretending to be your friend so that I can actually have a relationship with you. That's a different agenda. That's not me wanting what's God's best for them. That's declaring I'm God's best for them. That's, that's, that's the difference. Tell them. I don't know how many weddings I've done where someone was like, oh, I was in the friend zone, so I just decided to tell them. I'm like, wow, that's monumental. So you actually told them that I like you. Oh, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, that, that is. Uh, and if that's you, just tell them, okay? Like, think about it. You could be on this journey for years and then tell them and look back and go, man, I just spent three years trying to make this happen, and I could have just set out the gate, hey, I'm into you. Be honest. Stop hiding the truth. And if someone has told you they just want to be friends or have, and, and okay, so there's two ways this can happen. If someone has told you they just want to be friends and you are um, pursuing them for a relationship, honor that. They just want to be friends. So stop. Stop forcing. Stop, like, let them, let them have that. They, they're, they're, they're defining the relationship, okay? So, so honor that. And then here's the other thing. If, if a friend has established a boundary with you, a relational boundary, honor it. Like, honor it. And that, that's not just dating. You guys, like, like, there's some of you that have told a friend, listen, I need some space right now. Like, you know, there, there are certain, uh, there's certain um, relationships that are not healthy to have in your life at certain times. And if you're the unhealthy person in that person's life and they say, listen, I need some space. I need you to give me some space. I need to work through some of this. You, like, it's not your job to force yourself on them. Rarely, in fact, I, I don't know of any time that that works. All, usually what that builds is resentment. Or it reaffirms why I needed that boundary from you. And so if someone's established that and said, this is what this needs to look like right now, you guys honor it. If, you're a true, if you consider yourself a true friend, honor that relationship. That's so important. And then lastly, and this is important to me, in Proverbs 17, 9, this is the last verse I'm going to say, it says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Now, this is what's huge about this verse. It says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. What it's talking about here is whoever forgives someone who has wronged them. So here's the other difficult challenge tonight. Are you willing to forgive somebody? Are you willing to forgive somebody that maybe hasn't earned it or deserved it? Or maybe they've been asking for it and you continue to say, no, 
I don't believe you. I don't like, and, and listen, forgiveness is not, I always have to say this. Forgiveness doesn't mean, especially if someone deeply wounded you, has shown a consistent pattern that they don't care, has, has done these things. Forgiveness is not me saying, hey, I see that you're still just really bad and evil and bad for me. Here, let me bring you back in and give you that same seat you used to have in my life because it's forgiveness. No, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is releasing. And, and for some of you, you have relationship issues, friendship issues, and it's entered your friend circle because... You're not willing to just cover that offense. You're not willing to just forgive the offense, release the offense, and move on. Because it says, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. In other words, the more I rehash what you've done to me, the more I rehash how you've wronged me, the more I rehash why I need to be upset with you, guess what happens? We continue to see separation. I continue to be angry. And it leads to a lot of friendship drama with all the other friends. Amen? Like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. It's okay. You don't have to be honest. That's truth, though. That's the reality of it, guys. Forgive. And if you really care about that person, stop bringing up their mistake to them. Man, that's the worst. I made a lot of mistakes. And, man, it, it used to hurt me a lot when, when people would continue to bring up things that I tried so hard to work through. Guys, don't be that person. Like people don't need their mistakes reinforced to them, even if they act like they don't know it. Guys, it's tough to put your head on your pillow at night knowing you're making mistakes. It's tough. It's even more tough when, when your friends that love you continue to reinforce the mistake you are, the mistakes that you've made. Don't be that friend. As a friend, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to challenge? Who do you need to encourage? Who do you need to make yourself available to? And then lastly, who do you need to bring into your own life? Who's that true friend that you need to give access into that deep space in your heart? And that's not just a friend on this planet. I would say if you're not a Jesus follower, allow him into that space because that was step one for me. Then he brought in the relationships that have been transformative in my life. But that was the first and most important one. So I want you to think about that. Who's in that space? Who's got that authority? Who are you giving that to? And then who are you speaking that into, into somebody else's life? And what does that look like?